Triple M Footy lives on Listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water. Welcome to Triple M's Saturday Scrum. Yes, g'day everybody. Lovely to have your company for the two hours we get to share with you uh, this afternoon. Obviously the uh, Broncos and the Warriors later on this evening. You will hear that. Right here on Triple M, but we've got two hours to break apart what happened last night. 38 points to four. The Panthers are the first side through to next week's grand final. Uh, it's all over for the Storm. What a clinical display that was. We'll get uh, all of the details on that from Ryan Girdler, Benny Teo and Dave Rickow. My name's Tony, Tony Squad. Welcome, gentlemen. Good to be here, hey, Tony. Hey, hey guys. I had a really horrible experience. Walked in here, um, Brendo from Dead Set Legends, who's a Panthers supporter, just said... I can't remember not being in a grand final. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ryan yeah, Girdler. It's a little bit nasty. It's a little bit nasty. It's, yeah, look, I said it. I was on the show with the guys earlier. It's just a great time to be a Panther tone. Yes. have to be honest. <laughs> yeah. It's it just such a nice time um, to just sit back and, and watch... Uh, what's unfolded over the last five or so years, and what's and the and the dynasty that's been built yep. within those four walls, and to watch them go out last night and just um, tactically, strategically, just pull apart the Melbourne Storm, who yeah. have just been um, at the top of their game for well, what have they played in eight out of their last nine uh, prelim finals, which is an incredible record on its own. Yep. But then to be dismantled the way that they were last night by. Uh, a meticulous Penrith outfit, it's hard not to be up and about this morning. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're brilliant, Benny. And we'll, we'll get to the, you know, the details of the game, uh, you know, very shortly. But just an overarching uh, thought, Ben, to you on that performance. It was just watching excellence, wasn't it? It's what we've seen over the last few years. And, you know, as a spectator, usually when you see a team at the top for so long, you just wish that they would lose. You become a little bit of a hater on the success. But for me... <laughs> I just don't get that with the side. I really enjoy watching them get better and better. I watch. I love watching them lose players and lose coaching staff and bring in some new ones and almost get better. And very rarely do you see the Melbourne Storm resort to a little bit of some cheap tactics there. They look frustrated. They just knew, I think, maybe 20 minutes in that they couldn't win that game. And there was a lot of niggle going on in it. But I just love it. I mean, I think the two front rowers are exceptional in starting games, nice and physical and direct for them. And I think the the best part for spectators was the fact that Jerome Luai got through the game mm. and that he's off. He got 20 minutes before the game. They pulled him off, standing ovation. He gets to get ready now nine days for a grand final, which is, is good for everyone because it would have been terrible to see someone like him um, not make it to the grand final. Absolutely. That was perfect. Uh, 20 minutes to go, off he goes. And uh, he's got some football in his legs now as well, so he's ready to go in the grand final. It's interesting one that one, Dave Rick, yeah, because during the week we were hearing from the likes of Dr. Nathan Gibbs, highly regard respected, that he was seriously risking re-hurting, re-injuring that, uh, that shoulder by playing last night. Yeah, absolutely. It was an extraordinary effort uh, by Jerome and a, and a real level of professionalism to rehab I would have to have, would have have had to have been twenty four seven yeah uh, to get uh, back onto the footy field in such quick time last night. It was interesting comments post match from Penrith coach Ivan Cleary, admitting that this week there was really no discussion about Jerome's shoulder within the four walls. It was all systems go, and he admitted that he actually had to check himself due to all the noise coming at the Panthers about Jerome's shoulder, that he that he had to think, well, hang on a sec, 
maybe it is real. Maybe it is an extraordinary thing, and maybe it, are we doing the right thing? And mm. and 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 it, it shows that there was <clears throat> every box had been ticked um, for Jerome to get out onto the footy field, and the fact that he got through unscathed, the fact that well, the one set through to seventeen got through unscathed, yeah, that is key. You go into a grand final. Being able to pick the same team, no judiciary charges. I can confirm that. Right, okay. No charges for the, any Panthers player this morning. Was uh, it, what about Nathan? I mean, it was it was kind of he didn't go off for an HIA, obviously when he had that uh, head knock. No, and, and he went down. I mean, you would have hated to see him go off and you know get the mandatory stand down for the grand final, but that was never going to happen. He just a uh, bit of claret, but no drama. Yeah, whatsoever. no drama. Uh, interestingly, Josh King, uh, the player responsible for the the cut over the eye of Nathan Cleary has been charged by the match review committee this morning for a grade one dangerous contact. It's a, it's right up Gerds's alley. It's a $750 fine, <laughs> but, 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 um, but no, as far as the Panthers, outstanding news, no charges, no injuries. I, I get confused by these, the dislocated, was a dislocated shoulder we're talking about, which is the same, the dislocated shoulder for Carlton player Sam Doherty last week. And he came back on after halftime with it strapped up and played and will play this week. Yeah, well, it's all to do with the internal damage around, with the, yeah. li- lig- the ligaments around the shoulder. Now, my next question of which, you know, probably isn't a talking point going through a grand final week, but it will be whether Jerome Luai needs postseason surgery to repair. Oh, 100%. Uh, yeah, and then, and then the impact on um, potentially not playing for Samoa. Yep. Uh, but it's grand final week and he is A-OK. My name is Tony Squires. I'm joined by the legends that are Ryan Girdler, Benny Teo and Dave Riccio. And the Panthers, selfish Panthers fans, get to celebrate another grand final. Four! Been a long time since uh, four, <laughs> four, four in a row. It's a phenomenal performance. And I guess you, if you look at what they've been able to achieve over those years, you take a look at the 80 minutes of last night and it was bordering on perfect, Ben Teo. Yeah, it was just, you know, looking at the game, it was nice and tight at the start. At one stage, it was 4-all and they were into the grind, but you just knew um, history shows that the Panthers love those games. They like to do the damage early on and just watching Melbourne get frustrated and, you know, the Panthers are just so patient, so clinical. Uh, they've got a well-balanced side and when, when Liam Martin made that sort of break and, and he put Cleary away, that was where they just broke open the game mm-hmm. and, and that was it. Um Felt for Melbourne, I just feel like they're going to have to reboot somehow in terms of their squad and get some more power, some youth in their side. But love watching this Penrith side go about it and interested to see today's game. Just what the two teams toss up. They've had great stories and um, if any of them can really challenge Penrith, it be the interesting one. Ryan Girdley, you've obviously been involved in great... Penrith uh, teams, you've won grand final there as well. Uh, where are they, this team? Where do they sit? Yeah, I think they're the best They're the best team that, that I've seen. Like, I, I wasn't old enough to witness um, Parramatta and, and the run that they went on, um, but I'm not sure what the salary cap situation was back then, and I've seen some great sides um, like the Melbourne Storm and the Roosters have, you know, really nice periods. Um, but just as a team, a, a team uh, that consistently perform on a weekly basis, I don't think I've seen a group of men prepare and execute the way um, that these guys do it. And it's the little parts of their game and how hard they work for each other um, on both sides of the football. It's just incredible. Like to watch them 
um, you know, the way that they, they attack and the formations and the, and the moving parts, Benny, as a coach, I'd imagine it would be a nightmare because, you know, most sides, you know, when they have guys that run through a lead line, they'll sort of take one or two tackles to sort of get, you know, get back on side and get ready for yeah. the kick chase or whatever. But the urgency, and, and Benny mentioned it before, it's like this this constant pursuit of excellence on on every play. And that's what I think separates them from the other teams in the competition. Like they're big men in the middle. They'll run a lead line, but instead of just sort of walking back and getting ready to, to chase the kick, they'll sprint back. They'll get in, they'll, they'll, they'll reload and they'll get in great position to have an impact on the next play, whether they get the football or not. And I was talking to Benny about it before. Fisher-Harris had this one moment last night, this sequence where he forced the error, like he came out of the line. I think he's probably the best front rower in the competition at the moment defensively, you know. I mean, there's a lot of other guys we're talking about with Haas, Fanua Blake, what they do with the football. But appetite just to make a difference defensively, I, I think he's got him covered because he just played two or three. He just owns it defensively. He comes out of the line and he forced an error uh, last night, played two, was in the scrum, then, then the the uh, the Panthers got the football. Play two. He he does a hit up, leaves a couple on the ground, generates the momentum. Quick play the ball. Clear he goes line, turns someone back under. Play three. Fisher Harrison gets the football, goes into the line, passes out the back to Cleary, and then Toto scores in the corner. But but the interesting thing about them is like they make good teams throw their game plan out the window and try and become expansive. They're almost resigned to the fact that they cannot go toe to toe with the Penrith Panthers. And we you, we both know that finals games are tight affairs. It's about grinding football. No one seems quite confident to play that game. We, we watched Manly come up with some bizarre tactics. I watched Storm move the ball side to side. If you're the Penrith Panthers, you're almost like a boxer. You're just walking them down, walking them down. They're dancing around, trying all kinds of things. But you know, at the end of the day, guys, you cannot beat us at the game and the game that counts, which is grinding tough footy. And I just think it's impressive to see them make teams just totally change their game plan. Mm. Gerds, um, you touched on it, and I wouldn't mind drilling deeper a little bit on this because it will be the talking point of the grand final lead-up on where this Penrith Panthers side sits in the Pantheon of rugby league. And that is, you said you weren't, you know, you weren't old enough to uh, watch 81, 82, 83 Eels. Yep. Then, the, you know, the next great era was the Broncos, 92, 93. Yeah. We've had the great Raiders sides. I'm of the belief this is, this is better than the, all those teams. This current Penrith team is better than all those teams. Would you agree on that? Well, as, as I said, Dave, you know, I, I, I think probably individually they, they mightn't have the same sort of calibre of profile of player. No. But I would say as a group, collectively as a team, yes, I would say their ability – and with along with their coach and that whole organisation, um, to to perform at a certain level every week, I don't think I've I've seen another team sustain that sort of excellence. And then, um, I guess, for the whole organisation to then lose players and then bring other players back in, whether it be, you know, regardless of the position, their importance to the, the to their season the year before. Um, and then just to find ways to just improve as a team, like what Mitch Kenny's been able to do, different player than Abby Corusau, but the way that he just holds the middle and how that's changed the game um, for Isaiah Yo 
and Nathan Cleary, you see them this year, they run more on the back of momentum because they know Mitch isn't going to run so often, yeah? And, and Appy used to take that space and that opportunity. They used to create opportunities off the back of Appy identifying ruck speed and pulling the trigger. Well, Mitch doesn't do that so much. He tightens their middle defensively, so that allows, and you saw it last night with Isaiah Yo, run plays a lot more direct, doesn't play out the back as much, takes yards when he needs to, but then also brings Nathan onto the ball. So... Um, yeah, I just think as a whole organisation, Dave, I haven't witnessed, and I've mm. got to play against some of those sides, uh, like the Broncos in their heyday, like the Canberra Raiders in their heyday, um, and I just don't think consistently I saw them perform at the same level that I see Penrith attack the game on a weekly basis. So I would argue that it's even more harder to achieve what Penrith have achieved in this current era due yeah. to the salary cap yeah. and the, the stringency on the salary cap. I, I, I think the game is policed. Um, more than ever as far as player payments are concerned, um, unlike 20 years ago uh, mm. where the yeah, the flood of talent did go to the more dominant clubs. The Panthers have had to um, go through a you know, significant turnover. When Appy Coruscant left the club, I thought, no, this is their time. They're, they're going to dip. Viliami Kikau, when he departed the club, he was the best back rower in the game. And and uh, Kirk Capel's another example. You know, he's an origin player, leaves the club, they just find another one. Matt Burton. Matt Burton, exactly. And I just yeah. think, I think the Broncos, Raiders, that those those absolute champion sides, they were able to keep their teams together due to less stringent salary cap um, policing at that time mm. compared to what it is today. All right, just a, a quick let's uh, check out the other side of the field to the Storm. You mentioned it, uh, Benny, they'll have to need to do something. In terms of their season, there was talk going into this game that they needed a little bit more, I don't know, mongrel, I don't know if that's the right word, in the forward pack <laughs> yeah. uh, for that game to hold their own. Where do you think they do need to make changes if they're going to go a little bit further in season 24? Oh, I just think in their pack. Mainly, you know, Melbourne have traditionally invested a lot of money in their spine and it worked when you had Billy and Cooper and Cam. Um, they've done the same with Harry Grant, Munster, uh, Hughes, Papanazan. They've put a lot of money there. And I think uh, over the, in the past, they've been able to do a good job of grabbing players who aren't fulfilling their potential at other clubs and getting them up to speed and getting the best out of them. But I think you're seeing in the NRL, you need big, strong athletes. Yep. And I think that's where they're lacking. They don't have the Carrigan, the Payne Hass, the Flegler. They don't have the Leota... You know the uh, Fisher. If they had it like a Tino, yeah, if they would have got Tino back into they the organisation. They, tr- they yeah, tried hard absolutely. too. Yeah, yeah, that makes a difference. They know what they need. And, and you just look at you know, he was on here the other week. Great guy, but you know, Christian Welsh. You know, he's sort of starting to slow yep. down the Achilles injury. You just sort of see guys like Tarek Sims. I, I just feel like they're missing that that power punch at the moment. Do they fall out of the eight next year? And I say that because of what you're saying is there's no one to buy. They don't. They, yeah. they, next season, the Melbourne Storm can't recruit any any of which those players have you you've just spoken about. Yeah. Do they fall out of the eight next year? I would never ever suggest mm. that Melbourne ever fall out of the eight. I think their their system and they do enough to always be up there. They will always be in the eight. Um, but I don't see them winning it. I just can't see them winning it for the next few years, and, unless they sort of reboot. They conceded five hundred points for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Since 2005. Wow. Right? Yeah. So they, they know that there's some issues. That's not the Melbourne Storm that we've come to know. Um, you know, last night was just – their statistics were just, you know, 
I think it was a 65% completion rate. 65% completion rate against the Panthers. You cannot compete. And that, Dave, goes back to exactly what Benny was saying. But but I actually thought that they went out – and their strategy was pretty good. They they had a, a nice result early on the back of kicking to the wingers. I think if Penrith, and I'm not going to call it a weakness, but if there's a vulnerability amongst their their side, it's probably having big wingers that can jump over the top of their smaller wingers. Mm. And they did that. Smith got the football back. We saw a missed tackle. Olam scored. And then they found themselves in the contest at different moments. Not that Penrith went away from what they do so well, because they love that part of it, right? Mm. But the Melbourne Storm had a couple of other opportunities there. If ball goes to hand, if they were a little bit more clinical, they might have been able to apply just that little bit more pressure and stay in the contest. But the frustration and I think the fatigue of the of those playmakers seeing their pack get dominated and know yeah. that they had to always come up with the big play, it just wore them down in the end. But I thought that Melbourne went out there, Benny, and, and probably played a fair bit better than they had in previous weeks but just got exposed late in the contest because of those reasons you're talking about, the middle. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't get blown off the park, which is good, like they did versus the Broncos. And they're a better side when Big Nelson's on the field. Yep. Like, you can just tell that when they get that powerful go forward. But I thought he had lost his mind last night. He was looking for anything sort of a little bit dirty. He was hitting guys off the ball. I thought he lost his composure. But don't, and then, don't you think that was strategic, Benny? Well, it, it might have been strategic. Oh, I'm not too sure. But I think it took him out of his game. I didn't think he had his best performance. Mm. A, a big man like that. He doesn't need to be running around and trying to hit halfbacks late. He just needs to get the ball and run over. Mm. But you, and you can always see he's a passionate guy. You can always see frustration clearly on the face of Cam Munster when, when he's out there trying to probably do everything for himself. Yeah. And the other and the other thing I thought was interesting and and and. and Craig Bellamy's done it the last couple of weeks. He starts with Nelson, their best go forward man, the guy that generates more rucks than any other player, and he and he leaves Harry Grant on the bench. Yeah. yeah. So any sort of momentum that they could potentially start with on the back of Nelson is sort of taken away because Garlic's a good player, but he's a different player than mm. than yeah. Harry. Yeah. And then Nelson pretty much comes off, and then Harry goes on. You, and you're right though about those two wingers, like. Toto and Taruva, they got two sort of, you know, shorter wingers that a lot of guys could jump over. One thing they do, Penrith, is, is when you put that kick to them, what they get numbers around. So you might jump up and you might get that footy, but if it goes on the ground or you when you come down the land, there's a million guys around you to help out. So you can't really get any results out of that. But on the flip side, when they're coming out of yardage, they're hard to handle. Those little blokes getting in there, late feet, finding their front, playing the ball. That's why when you get into grind footy, you can't compete with those two wingers. We've got several hours before kickoff this evening. Time to just have a think about some of the issues that have popped up over the past week. All right, Dave Ricker, fill me in on this. Where are we exactly with New South Wales State of Origin? Now, Freddie, there's a bit of an overhaul. I'm not sure how much is it Freddie-driven, how much has it uh, been pasted onto him if he is going to retain that job next season. We do know that Greg Alexander had said that because he kind of paused when was asked, do you want to go around again? He thought, well, you know what? That probably tells me that it's time for me to pull the pin. That great man has done just that. Then we've got uh, Danny Badiris, uh, Mary, obviously, and, uh, and Joey Johns. Where yeah. have they? Are they officially gone or not? Uh, Tone, guys, uh, Brad Fittler had the opportunity to present his uh, way forward for the New South Wales Origin team at a New South Wales Rugby League League board meeting yesterday morning. Um, And it was there that I understand uh, each of those members of Freddie's coaching staff, um, you know, was told to the board that they would no longer be involved. 
um, with Freddie's setup, and that is Danny Badaris, Andrew Johns, Paul McGregor, and head of high performance Hayden Knowles, which leads to a, a genuine clean out yeah. of, of Freddie's staff and who may ca- come in. And Greg Alexander is obviously the other key figure who was effectively Freddie's right hand man and a senior advisor when it came to picking the team um, and also just, just being a sounding board. For Freddie, they, they obviously had an extremely tight relationship that goes back 30 years. So um, Brandy has also decided to stand down. That has raised the prospect of Phil Gould uh, stepping into that role of of what um, Brandy used to do. The board now wants some thinking music. They want some thinking time, Tone. Uh, I understand that they've gone away to consider what Freddie's put forward and I, I expect an outcome at some point next week. Um, I, look, I'll, I'll say that Freddie's still in the box seat to retain the position, but I'm not I'm not absolutely going to sit here and declare it's guaranteed. Well, will he be able to suggest names that he wants in there or will they absolutely. be kind of put in? Um, uh, There's been a whole him. heap. Uh, uh, look, I can't confirm which names he put forward yesterday as far as replacements are concerned, but I'm happy to tell you which names are doing certainly doing the the, 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 the rounds, the rounds mm-hmm. as far as leading names in the discussion point, and they are Jason Riles, yep. Ben Hornby, Trent Barrett, um, uh, Matty King, uh, all of which have been involved in NRL setups. Right? They're currently assistant coaches in some capacity at current NRL clubs, but also have buy-in back into the New South Wales Blues team as past players. So they are some of the names that have been bandied around. Right. Jason Riles currently enjoying a lot of time with Eddie Jones. Yeah, okay, Eddie Jones right. and then on his way to the Melbourne Storm. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, right. Indeed. The, the uh, Gertz, the, the Gus Gould kind of figure looming, Do you will that work? Can that work? Oh, it always comes up. No, no. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that's um, that's a serious option. I, I would look at a guy like um, Ivan Cleary, to be honest. I'm a little bit surprised that there's been such a clean-out. Obviously, these guys come in and they need to have confidence and a working relationship with the people around them. And, gee, I don't think they've been that far away. Yeah. So if you're going to go with Freddie, I'm not sure why you've got such an issue with the people that yeah. he was with. Uh, but look, anyway, I'll if you're going to go I'll just and... jump in real quickly. It, it yeah. has been suggested – sorry, Gertz. It has been you're suggested right, that each of those individuals want to focus on – current work environments. Paul McGregor, right. uh, Andrew Johns Channel 9 uh, and Bedsy uh, with the Newcastle Knights. So it, okay. it, it, it needs to be determined on why the moves have been made. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, look, Nathan, um, sorry, Ivan came in at the back end of game three and yeah. I'm sure he could, and if he could take a little bit of a, he wouldn't need a lot of time away from Penrith, but just like an advisory role, someone that's obviously highly successful and in the job at the moment, I think could be... Um, could be a great relationship, but um, yeah, as, as I've said all along, like if, if the result, um, the outcome of, of game three for me said that the players all want Freddie to be there. Yeah, you know that was a great performance, and if Freddie wants to be there, I think he's the man for the job with the right people around him. I think they can get the job done with the players that we have on available at the moment. Yeah, I'm not buying Phil Gould going, and he's pretty busy, isn't he? He's got enough roles going on. Um, but I, I agree. I thought it was a good. To see Ivan Cleary in the box in Game Three probably brought a nice calming influence to the setup. Um, he's invested in it, obviously with his son. He wants the team to go well, and you know there's nothing wrong really with rebooting some of your assistants and just getting some new life. But well, one of the big jobs of of the state coaches, yeah, a lot of media, a lot of sponsorship, a lot of that, and Freddie fits all those bills. So he just needs some really good current coaches in there. 
Um, and I, I think they'll be strong next year. All right. <clears throat> Dave Rickier, bring me up to speed on this one. Very important to me. Dragons. Shane Flanagan, <laughs> new coach, uh, yeah, saying that Ben Hunt can lead the Dragons to finals footy. Now, there's all this talk I, I noticed in the paper. You were, you were there, a, a brunch mm. involving the likes of Mark Taylor uh, as a, somebody, a, a leadership can offer a leadership advice to Ben Hunter and others at the club. Yeah, it was pretty impressive yesterday morning, guys. Shane Flanagan, the new head coach of the Dragons, organised off his own bat uh, about a 50 to 60 uh, invite uh, to um, influential sponsors, uh, board members, past and current players, um, to a to a basically uh, my plan for the Dragons uh, as through the eyes of Shane Flanagan, um, and it was quite quite strategic um, and well thought out. I thought it was highly impressive. In that room also was as who you mentioned, Tone Mark Taylor, tragic Dragon fan. Yeah, I watched uh, the game sitting alongside him. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, Champion fella, uh, Mark Coyne, uh, Queensland Origin great, was also there and a good friend of Shane Flanagan's. And it was, um, you know, it was in that room that Ben Hunt's future came up. And and Flanagan is absolute committed, um, holus bolus to Ben Hunt being there next year. Beyond that will become a t- discussion point for 25. Um, and, and ultimately, I, I, I agree, I don't see Ben Hunt anywhere else but the Red V next year. I think he turns up pre-season training, and, and that's what Flanagan spoke about yesterday. He, he's really uh, intent on um, pushing this narrative that, that when Ben Hunt walks through the doors for pre-season training for the first time, this will be a Dragons club that he hasn't seen before. So Flanagan, new high-performance staff, um, new coaching staff, will present a, a completely new preseason and com- completely new look of, of how it feels to be a dragon. All right. Is it just oh, from- Tony, you yeah, love that, didn't I you? Do. You just <laughs> sat you in that. you see me sit up a bit oh straighter in my what seat? What about that? He's <laughs> uh, sold. Yeah. His Sadly, eyes are getting misty. Yeah, I, I am. Well, they were misty when I read about that brunch and no invite for Tony. Uh, we're working <laughs> on it, Tony. Bring that up. No, no ticket for Tony. Mm. This is, I'm not bitter and twisted, though. Can you, <laughs> can you tell Supercoach Flanagan that for me? Welcome to Tony's Spotting Quiz. <laughs> All right. I have... Uh, Dave Riccio is ready to go. Benny Tia is ready to go. Ryan Girdler. You're going to have to use your names as your buzzers. If you wouldn't mind testing those for me, please. Riccio. Skipper. Skipper. Tia. Tia. Okay, very simple operation. Here we go. Uh, first question. It's been 40 years since uh, then Prime Minister Bob Hawke said this. I tell you what, any boss who sacks anyone for not turning up today is a bum. <laughs> 40 years ago, what were we celebrating? Skipper. Yes, Skipper. America's Cup win? It was Australia 2 winning the America's Cup. Did you not know that, David? Yeah, yeah, I knew. I was hoping he'd get it wrong. Oh, were you? Okay, no, no, no. He was, he's on fire. He's in good form yeah, at the moment. Yeah, he's very skipper. good form. Who else? Skipper. Who was the skipper of Australia 2? Uh, Riccio. Yes, David. John Bertrand. John Bertrand is correct. Oh. I'll dig down slightly deeper. How are you going there, Benny? No, no good. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've won the last two, though. So you have. You can go. sit back. Sit back, relax. Yeah. Who designed the famous Skipper. winged kill? Yes. Who designed the winged kill? Alan kill? Bond? No, Alan Riccio. Bond was the money man. Yes, Riccio. Ben Lexon. Ben Lexon is the guy. Who had, must the Wallabies beat overnight or on Monday morning to have any hope of advancing Tio. in the... Yes, Benny Tio. Wales? Correct. It is Wales. Your do they, works. Do they have any hope yeah. of doing that, Ben? 
No. No. <laughs> just be honest. Just be honest. <laughs> yeah. Dally M's, of course, next week. Woohoo. Uh, in, in 2013. You're hosting, uh, Tone? In the 2013, well, I haven't been asked yet. Probably a bit late now, isn't it? In the 2013 uh, M Awards, who read the votes and announced the winner? Skipper. Yes, yeah, Skipper. Russell? Russell Crowe did indeed. Benny Teo's mate. Yeah. Yes. Loved his, loved, loved his post-2014 um, grand final celebrations. Oh, yeah. Still, what happened still, Talking there? of America, boats. Still angry about it, actually. What? Tell us. Fill us this just yeah, wasn't the celebration that I thought it was going to be. Okay. Yeah. Expectations were high. Expectations were high. Delivery low. Um, fishing trawler. Was, yeah, yeah. It was a fishing trawler that showed up. Uh, but we salvaged it. We had a pretty good time, but... Um, yeah, Russell, you owe us one and our 10-year reunion's coming up next year. So oh, yeah. Bang, bang, Ooh, bang. Put something on deliver. and let's just replay Mad Monday again. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> I'm happy to try and squeeze into my old jeans and, and get going. <laughs> oh, and that 2013, who hosted the awards that year? Who hosted the awards? Um, Skipper. Yes, Skipper. You did. Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Is this about you? Oh, no, no. Hey, it's a chest I beating. just sat through your whole post-game celebration anecdote. <laughs> Come on. Give me something. Whose yeah. winning acceptance speech was in its entirety this? I'd just like to thank Rothmans and the Canterbury Banks and Rugby League Club for a great Skipper. year. Thanks a lot. You and McGrady? It was. You uh-huh. and McGrady. They dragged him to the place halfway through. The <laughs> he was at home. He was at home. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't think he was going to win. I'm not answering anymore, Tony. This is getting embarrassing. Oh, I the know, silver yeah. fox is okay. on fire. He is I'm on done. fire. Three players have hyphenated names uh, for the, the Waz today. Who Tio. are they? Yes, Benny. Charles Nickelcock start. Yes. Adam Fenor Blake. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, the pressure's oh, got to him, no. Go oh, wait, on, Dan. No, go on, Dan. Go. Dalen. He can find a try. Martini's the Lesniak. Dalen Martini's the Lesniak. Skipper is the winner. Congratulations. Ryan Girdler, Ben Tio, Dave Riccio, Tony Squires in for the penultimate edition of the Saturday Scrum. That's just for you, Gerds. I knew you were waiting for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are almost there. Next week, grand final. The Panthers are already there. They're fourth grand final consecutively. They did it in some style as well. 38 points to four. Winners over the Melbourne Storm. Who will meet them next Sunday? Will it be the Broncos? Will it be the Warriors? They go at it this evening. You'll hear it right here on Triple M. Uh, the Broncos at Suncorp Stadium, that home ground advantage. Should be a terrific game of rugby league. Out of last night, Dave Riccio, anything by way of uh, judiciary, anything by way of injury? Oh, Tone, it's all come up roses for the yep. Penrith Panthers with the greatest news is that obviously Jerome Luai has come through completely unscathed. Amazing. Um, and will be absolutely okay to be part of another grand final. Um, and no other injury concerns to speak of as far as the Panthers are concerned. And at this time of year, that's just extraordinary to to get through a prelim. No injuries uh, in, in into the GF. Uh, fantastic news for the Panthers and certainly no judiciary charges either. Um, nothing coming from of the way of the match review committee for the Panthers. Ryan Girdler, everything coming up, Panther. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just, yeah, they do that. They prepare really well. Uh, they handle their injuries really well. We've seen him sort of nurse, when was it, two years ago that, um, Dave, that Nathan did his shoulder and then came back and yep. there was talk he was going to miss the back end of the season and probably should have. Um, but their medical staff there were just on point, got him back in, won the premiership, was able to get stuff done in the off-season. So 
this whole process that we've seen um, with Jerome, I know it was questioned whether or not he was going to play. I was just so confident because that organisation just seemed to get those parts of their business, they get them right. And mm. that's what they did with Jerome last night. He didn't look out of place at all. He didn't look to be carrying the shoulder. They took him off with, as you said, Tone, 20 minutes to go and he'll be ready for the decider. My name is Tony Squires. Uh, ben Teo, Ryan Girdler, Dave Riccio with you as well as we turn our attention to tonight's game for the right to go forward and play the Panthers in the grand final next week. It comes down to the Broncos. It comes down to the Warriors, who were sensational last week uh, in an environment that was really built for them. Uh, that crowd in Auckland was was absolutely wonderful. Uh, does that momentum, can that shift to Suncorp Stadium, which will obviously by its nature be uh, filled with Brisbane fans, but there's there's plenty of Kiwis out, out and about. Does that, does it, can they manage to you know, overcome not having uh, the enormous backing of that crowd? Oh, I, th- I think they can. I think the Warriors, as you said, there's enough Kiwis around. We have to check the train lines and see how many are coming up from the Gold Coast because that's where most of them live. But I think one thing going in the Warriors' favour is that they've they've had their loss in this final series. You know, they weren't at full strength. They had that loss versus Penrith, um, got back together as a group, and, and they've got a bit of momentum. But you have to say that the hype is with the Broncos at the moment. Like, they're the talk of the competition. They're the talk of this town. And I just think they're going to be red hot to come out the gates. But when I look at this Warriors side, I look at the pack. If you've got Adam Fenor Blake and you've got you know, Mitch Barnett and some of these players, Tohu Harris, who's very experienced, they've got a chance. They, they do have yep. a chance if they can really be patient and play the long game through the middle of the field. I, I think that they, they can make this a real close game. I think you can really build a case for them. Benny, you know, like you spoke about some of those guys in the middle um, and their start's really important. Now, they were great the way that they started last week. They just took, you know, the Newcastle Knights who were, had a lot of momentum going into that one just out of the equation altogether. They handled Kalen out the back of shape the same way that they need to do with Reese Walsh. And you do that, yeah, by handling the middle and those guys that you spoke about. But the other thing is for the Broncos is they've played, well, they've played one game now in about a month. So they haven't played a lot of footy, which can mm. be good and bad. They've got a lot of young guys that haven't been in this situation before. There's a lot of pressure at a prelim because you know Massive. you're one game away Massive. from the big dance. Yeah, um, the worst and, game. And I know they were dominant a couple of weeks ago against Melbourne, but Melbourne just aren't at the same sort of uh, level of these other clubs. And Melbourne, um, they, they started really poorly. And I thought the Broncos were a little bit lacklustre with their start a couple of weeks ago. Now, they won 26-0 in the end and they were dominant. Um, and there were some really solid elements to the game, especially defensively. Um, but I don't know. If the Warriors can come out, start really well, put a little bit of pressure on a young, inexperienced Broncos outfit and make them chase points and put them in the corners like they did last week and try and get the, the, the Broncos into a situation where they need to kind of force their hand a little bit yeah. and things don't go for it that well from. I'm looking forward to seeing how they respond in that mm. sort of situation. That, that, that's what I'm looking forward to. Just want to see a, a close game and the pressure build on both teams. And as you said, yeah, Brisbane have had a pretty good run with injuries this year. That they're, they're on a roll, but those prelim games are the ones that come back to haunt you because they're the ones that, when they slip away, um, they, they hurt the most. When you think back on your career, what what's impressed me the most about the Warriors guys is their maturity and their growth in that space where they're they're challenged by the opposition on the scoreboard and they've found ways just to kick away again. 
when just when you think the opposition's getting back into the game. We saw it last week against the Newcastle Knights. Mm. Warriors jumped out to 16-0 lead, and the Knights got back to 16-10, and you thought, oh, we could get a game on here. But no, the Warriors just found another gear. They've been doing that all season. Interestingly, boys, they've only played once this year, uh, these two teams. They only played once. It was in Napier, um, and it was in the origin period. So the Bronx were without Reese Walsh, uh, Selwyn Cobbo, Payne Haas, and Thomas Flegler at that time. Was that the game of pitch invasions? Yes, yeah. yes, mm. yes. Yeah, um, and the Broncos won that match. It was 20, a great game. 26-22, yeah. four tries apiece, only the uh, goal-kicking um, mm. uh, super boot of Adam, Adam Reynolds proven the difference. He kicked five from five. So, you know, they know how to... Sometimes styles make fights, and I think that's where there's a there's a genuine belief that this will be a tight game because we know that both sides only need a block of possession. They only need a fifteen. If Warriors have done it all year, you give them ten to fifteen minutes, they can put twenty points on. You give the Broncos ten to fifteen minutes, they put twenty on. And I just think it it really could yeah. be one of those nights where it's down to the wire. And mm. and and the danger man. This year has been Reese Walsh. Um, I wouldn't underestimate the fact that the Warriors players know him very well. Um, they've trained against him for years uh, when he was there. They understand what he can do, but they would have been on the field with him and noticed his, his shortcomings. And I think one thing they probably shouldn't do is, is roll him up because it seems when he gets into those confrontations, he, he grows and gets better from it. But, yeah, I think they would have a very good plan about how they're going to handle uh, Reese Walsh tonight. Well, Gerds, you touched on it with Stacey Jones. And and that was the job that they did on Kalen Ponga, the Warriors, previously. And I, and, and I thought it was a really good point to make because – and that's coaching, isn't it? Like, that's that's a clear strategy to how to silence one of the – well, Kalen was, was the most dominant fullback in the game alongside Reese Walsh. And yeah. so if they can – Repeat that. Well, then, two things. Great job. Secondly, uh, it's another tick as far as coaching master plans go. And it all comes back to those guys in the middle. Like if you've if you've got Payne and and Flegler and Carrigan creating havoc and offloading and allowing Adam Reynolds and Ezra Mam time and space, you know, to do what they do and taking. Uh, the line on and giving it to Reese out the back, you're going to struggle, especially with the Warriors' edge defence. It hasn't been great at the back end of the year. It was better last week against Kalen because they went out, they controlled the middle. They didn't have a lot of possession in those key areas of the field where Kalen likes to get the football um, and there wasn't a lot of damage done. But, yeah, if they allow big pain and these guys to roll through on the back of some offloads and then all of a sudden Adam Reynolds, Ezra Mann are getting the football 30, 35 metres out from the Warriors' line and you've got, like, young Barry and you've got Pompey and these guys, Montoya, having to make decisions when Reese Walsh is coming at you at speed, I really think that that could be uh, the Warriors' downfall. So they need to make sure that they're, they're, they're really clean so they don't give um, the Broncos, you know, penalties coming out of their own end. So where they give them possession, you know, there are always going to be games, uh, moments in the game where the Broncos are going to have the football in dangerous positions and these guys are going to have to make some calls. But they need to limit the amount of times that they do that. Otherwise, I think the Broncos will just be too good for them. Boys, I, I think this has to be Ezra Mam's greatest performance that we've seen from him. He's only a rookie, 20 years of age, 22, uh, sorry, 36 games he's played, 36 games. Uh, making his debut back in 22. Um, because what we see from a Warriors side is that they go after that 5 eighth. 
we 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 see Adam Fenor Blake. They run those shapes where Fenor Blake, that huge body, just singles out the five eighth, you know, five off the try line with with power and footwork. Ezra Mam defensively will need to be huge. Yeah, well, I think, and that's the the best part. Of what you're saying, Gerds, is if they can limit the opportunities that they're defending their line, and they give territory and possession to Sean Johnson. That's where he can pull the trigger. And I remember that play the other week, that little out the back to Fenua Blake with that late feet on the halves. I, I can really see that coming that way of Ezra Mam. Um, but I still, it still comes back to me. If I can think about tonight, it's it's those forwards. It's those tight forwards going against each other. That's going to be fireworks. And also, you know, I think, I think Wade Egan, he, uh, Billy Walters had an outstanding year in developing and becoming a great number nine, but I think Wade Egan, there's a difference between a guy that transitions, you know, as a coach into a dummy half yeah. and a guy that's played there his whole life. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and just some of the um, variations that Wade has in his game. I think he's probably been, him and Harry Grant have probably been the standout dummy halves in the well, competition. I think Wade Egan's year. been the one. Yeah, Wade Egan's mm. been the one. I agree. I think he's got the best service in the game from nine in terms of his flat pass, the the width of it. He can zing that thing and he gets them on the front foot. He's incredible at the moment. And that's going to be the plan, I think, today to be getting those forwards over the game line. Um, but Billy's pretty sharp out of dummy yeah. half, especially when he wants to run close to the line. I rang, um, I rang Cameron George, the Warriors CEO, earlier in the week, Tone, yep. mm-hmm. and 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 brought up Wade Egan. Well, and and Cameron and I, you, we, you expect the Warriors boss to back his man, but he said if he's he's not a smoky for the Dallium Hooker of the Year, he he is the leading contender, and it got me thinking. Mm. Well, hang on a sec, is Cameron legit here? And if you actually start to break down all the dummy halves in the game. It, it's not a clear cut as far as who the Dallium Hooker of the Year, I, I, hooker of the year is. Mm. And it, it's why I believe Wade Egan will end up getting it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Wow. There'll be plenty of uh, footy play tonight. We hope, what are the conditions like, uh, Ryan? I can see it, it's, it's pleasant there at the moment, but we're looking at a 10 to 8 kickoff this evening. Yeah, I think there's some there's some grey clouds tone, but I think they'll sort of blow blow over. There's been no rain, so I think it'll be a dry, fast track. And this time of year up here, there'll be no dew, so yeah, perfect conditions. Uh, welcome, welcome to the Saturday Scrum End of Season Awards, coming to you live from the Morpeth Scout Hall. Uh, it's like an audition for you, Tone, right? Well, I've already failed Sorry, that audition. <laughs> no, no. I did it actually, actually, and failed it. So the Morpeth Scout Hall, obviously, uh, this is the biggest award ceremony in the Southern Hemisphere this year. So congratulations for being mm. here with us. All right, you know what oh, the yeah. job was. It's great for the local economy, isn't it, when we come oh, into town? They do love it here at Morpeth yeah, when Morpeth, the Saturday Scrum is a fish here. and chip shop. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> the, uh, okay, we've got to go. There's some categories here. You have been set the task, the three of you, of coming up with uh, player of the season, coach of the year, rookie of the year, and team of the year. Uh, so that task lies before you. Who would like to uh, kick us off? Ben Wood. Yeah, Ben like Tio. Okay. Yep. Who is your player of okay. the season? Player of the season, uh, Reese Walsh. <coughs> Coach of the year, Kevin Walters. Mm. Rookie of the year, Taruva uh, mm. from the Panthers. And team of the year, Brisbane Broncos. Lovely day. Team of the year. I didn't know, Tony. You've, I mean, you've obviously been to the wards. You've hosted them. Might indeed. Have there ever been a team of the year? Whether well, to say the team team's name. No, I've not seen that. Like the Brisbane Broncos. Mm. No, I've got Penrith. 
All right, you go, yeah. you go, Dave. What's, what's the big deal? So I don't, I don't know about you guys, oh, you but, want, you know, been doing this show for a while. Have I missed while, the assignment? Gen- generally, when when the memo comes through, you yeah. need to put, you know, tell them your team of the year. They mean to go through the individual positions oh, like they do right. at the actual awards no. night. Oh, okay. So you just can't yell out a team. No, that just, that's, <laughs> that just doesn't work. That's just not, that's just not doing your homework, boys. <laughs> that, yeah, that's, 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 that's just insulting the people of Morpeth. Well, you're unbelievable. <laughs> Go, Dave. Go, Dave. Okay, uh, player of the I should season. point out, sorry, uh, that in a, in a ceremony early before we went to air, the interim coach of the year was announced as Ryan Carr, but uh, keep going. <laughs> and player of the year by Country Mile will be Sean Johnson. Coach of the year, Andrew yes. Webster. Rookie of the year, Jareem Buller. Oh, yes. Okay, good. From the West Tigers. Yeah. And the, my team of the year is Penrith. Sorry? <laughs> Your team of the year is Penrith. Penrith. If they get up on Dallium Night and say, and the team of the year, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Penrith. Well, Tone, you've said, who's the team? Who's your team of the year? And yeah. so I've answered your question. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. R- R- let's see how Ryan does it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Go, Ryan. He's been Player, here for a long time. Johnson, uh, Coach Webster, and Rookie Buller. Team of the year. <laughs> yes, what do you got? Fullback. <gasps> Walsh. Okay. Winger, uh, Watini's Lesniak on one wing, mm-hmm. Jermaine Asako on the other wing. Yeah. Centres, Crichton and Farnworth. Six, this might be a little bit controversial. What are you pulling faces at, Benny? No stags. No, no stags. Okay. No. Um, I've gone with Mam for six. Okay. I thought he's had a yeah. fantastic season. Yeah, he has. Uh, obviously, Johnson, halfback. Um, up, up front, um, Adam Fanua-Blake. And, uh, and I've pained Haas, and I've had to leave out Fisher-Harris, but it was hard, but I did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't – my dummy half, I, I was split between Harry Grant and Wade Egan. Yep. I think Harry had a really good sort of early uh, middle part of the year, and I think Wade Egan has, has really sort of um, had a great back end of the season. So I'll leave you guys to decide that. Okay. Back rowers, Martin, Olakawatu, and 13, uh, Carrigan. Okay. Ben T, what do you think of the team? Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's pretty good, pretty on point. I didn't know I had that much time, so I, I would have yeah, put together tried. thirteen. Mm. You would have um, had a crack. Yeah, I would have had a crack. But no, I can't really disagree with any of those players, to be honest. Can I go back to the coach of the year? Were we all in agreement? We had Andrew Webster. Who else? Who did you have, Benny? Kevy. Kevy. Okay. Mm. Dave. Yeah. I've always been a believer. I don't know how we could do it. I don't know how we could do it. But I just love for the Dallas to be after the premiership. Mm. Because it, uh, Ivan Cleary's achievements can't be understated, and and while Andrew Webster has done an extraordinary job to pull this Warriors side together yep. in his rookie season, and yep. that's why I've gone with Andrew. I, I I actually feel a little bit guilty that I can't give it to Ivan mm. as well. I, I think sometimes we get caught up with the coach of the year mixed up with that award most improved. And I think sometimes we like to go with the guys that you know show a bit of bringing a team through, but and you just forget about what we spoke about earlier, excellence, yeah. You know, yeah. being the benchmark, um, rejuvenating your squad and your staff like Ivan Clary has mm. and still having success, four grand finals in a row. At what point do we start talking about Ivan, you know, in the same breath as the Bennetts and, and the Bellamy's? Well, you is he us. there? Is he, is he almost there? Uh, what do you How think? How far away would he be, Dave, from... from... It's unfair, though. Is it just his personality? It's just his son. Because I'm assuming. Player. Well, that shouldn't. But I mean, Wayne had Darius. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> it, 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 look, 
<laughs> it's not Ivan's persona. It's Ivan's persona. He's very, he's very um, laid back, not, but not laid back in his coaching because you can't be to to achieve these results. And I think it, you look at Craig Bellamy, you see such an intense individual, and we hear so much about his programs and you know how how it's just so ruthless and the machine that they are down at the Melbourne Storm. Well, I think Ivan's getting there. I think longevity will only be what stops Ivan. From, but he's from, been in how long has he's done like about three or four hundred games now, hasn't mm. he? So longevity's or he's already ticked that box, surely. Well, or are you talking about success? Success is what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, I haven't got the numbers in oh, front of me, but yeah. the, the list of prelims that Craig Bellamy has now taken Melbourne Storm too. It's yep. it's double digits, mm-hmm. um, and and no doubt Ivan's getting there. But it, mm-hmm. it will be, and you talk about Wayne Bennett. That's longevity. That's why mm. we're enamoured by him. It's continued success. What he well, achieved at the Dolphins. Yeah, I think with Wayne, the thing that separates him is that uh, having success at different clubs in different environments, whether that be international level, state level, mm-hmm. and club level. So that's where you know Craig Bellamy can't really jump into that conversation. Uh, Trent Robertson can't really mm. jump into that either. Um, so I think that's sort of what separates him. From, from the rest of those coaches. He'd have to be in the same breath now as Trent Robinson, though, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. Yep, s- definitely. Yeah, sit alongside Trent up there. You'd have to go Wayne, Craig, and Ivan now. Okay. Yep. yep. Wayne, Craig, and Ivan. Love it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you mentioned most improved, Benny. I should just point out that I was most improved five years in a row at Lakes United. It makes you wonder how rubbish I was to begin with, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Or not. I'm going to throw some uh, random ideas at you. You're going to tell me whether you believe it or not and why. Well, let's begin because it is obviously this evening the Warriors fighting for that right to play in the grand final next year, which will, next week, which will, of course, kick off at uh, 7.50 p.m., which is, I don't know, sometime after 10 at the, in New Zealand. So believe it or not, if the Warriors make the grand final, the kickoff time has to be changed to earlier, Dave Ricky. Oh, absolutely. Believe that. Yep. Yep. Has to be changed. Can it be changed? No. Well, you know, anything can happen. Yeah. Anything. Why, why can't it be? We need to be nimble, Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Pete Valandis loves to, um, oh, what's his name? He loves to uh, posture. No, not posture. Well, pivot? It. Pivot. Yeah. Pivot is the word. Yeah. Now, mm. listen, we are in the grip of a groundswell of support for the Warriors that hasn't been seen in New Zealand ever before. And when we talk about the growth of the game, you need to cash in and make sure that you make it pay when it matters most, and that time is now. To even consider, you need to factor in this, guys. Next Sunday, daylight savings starts, right? So add another hour. It's going to be close to 1 a.m. in the morning when the grand final finishes in New Zealand. How Can't is that a benefit for growing the game and, 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 and making the most of this unprecedented precedented opportunity to grow the game and create brand new supporters yeah. of rugby league? But they're well, part of the NRL competition, which has had its grand final being played at 7.50 for years and years now. To, it's good for the broadcasters. It's prime time. There's fireworks. There's a show. There's all of those things yep, that they tone, fit into. With the greatest respect, you just didn't listen what what I said. Sorry, what did you say? We are. <laughs> we are. Yeah. In a window of opportunity oh. that the game hasn't seen before in New Zealand. 
it, it's a special time because when, I was in New Zealand growing up in 2002 when they went on the run to the grand final and the amount of kids at that time, and I was one of them who changed from rugby union to rugby league around that time really? was crazy. I was a kid that changed because just, you know, everyone got behind them. There was such a buzz and they're going through that right now. Now they've got a big challenge there against rugby union. If they can get as many young kids watching this grand final, falling in love with a team if, if they get there, then I think it's a massive thing. And we, we're talking about all the time about expansion. We're talking about one day putting a second team there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure we can move the time of a grand final. And, and, it's, and it's not even just for that reason, Tone, which is a big one, but just, you know, the afternoons, I remember grand final yeah. day spending with family and friends, with barbecues, whatever, kicking off at three and four o'clock. It was very palatable, you know, and I remember those days as a kid. These days, like my girls, they watch a grand final star. They love the Panthers. They'll be half asleep by nine o'clock. Yeah. And you just don't get the full experience, right? It's, it's you know, you're not out in the back. You're not having to kick around with a football. I mean, all that sort of rolls into just tradition, which is what they want to create. And if Pete is a man of the people, as he says, and he wants to pivot, well, you know, stop worrying about what the broadcasters want. I know it's important, but on this special occasion, bring the game back to where it needs to be, and that's with an afternoon kickoff. Yeah. You're you're going a step further there, I think, Gerzo, as well, aren't you? I mean, you're, you're, you'd like to see the grand final as a matter of course, be played earlier in the day. That's what I'm saying, yeah. We'll go yeah. one step further. Make it every year, regardless mm-hmm. of who's in it, an afternoon affair. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I hate to come over all logistical, but, you know, a week out from a grand final, you've booked in at certain times. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's games happening before it. I mean, it's not just so simple as to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, Everybody yeah, turn up three hours early, it'll be a tickety-boo. No, you're right. We, we, we do have curtain-raiser games, uh, which, you know, we are locked in. Can them. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So snorted, sorry. <laughs> Apologies all. I'm sure there's a field around put, the corner. Need to put, yeah. ben, put Benning T on the commission, please. <laughs> How good is he? He's very blunt, isn't he? I've got the hammer. <laughs> Believe it or not. Okay, uh, did we finish that? I think we did. Believe it or not, yeah. uh, suspensions in club games should not apply for rep games. So there's been a bit of a brouhaha stroking Broccolio uh, with Jared Warrior Hargreaves, uh, for exa- as an example. Uh, what what can you use? What can't you use in terms of serving your suspension so it doesn't affect your club the next season? Yeah, Jack look, White and yeah. uh, as well. Now, look, I, I don't like it, but I think there should be some wiggle room. For example, um, maybe there should be some parameters around the grading of the charge. So anything a grade two and above, well, you can't count those games, right? Can't count rep games, but a grade one charge where it's, you know, not significant, I think that could be considered where you can count a rep game and, and then you can be back the following season f- for your club. Um, mm. Jared, you know, Jared Wurria Hargraves had been, and the New Zealand Rugby League had been considering trying to count those seven yeah. weeks. But I don't like that at all. No. I don't like that. But I think if, we, if you wanted to start to consider going down that path, having a look at, if it's a grade one or above. When you say don't like that, no, I, the problem with that is if he was genuinely going to be picked and you and you take that away, therefore he misses that international segment and he also misses, it seems like it's a double yeah. punishment mm. somehow. I, I think you should serve your suspension in the competition that you, you, you know. You're in, you're sanctioned. You're I, sanctioned I'm sanctioned you. Rep games shouldn't rep be games sanctioned shouldn't through be NRL counted. level. Yeah, but Jared, what, what, if you, what if you get sent off 
in a state of origin and it's your final one, you don't get picked again. You, you, you don't get to, you know, have sanction at all. When, well, no, that's well, exactly right. Yeah. So you can and, go nuts in your last origin. And I'm more yeah, talking about I'm, I'm more talking about if a guy was to get suspended on his last game playing and his team doesn't make the finals and he's very pivotal in terms of for New Zealand, you know, yep. we need to be growing that game. I and agree. I just don't feel like someone should be missing a four-test series at the end of the year for yep. New Zealand um, through something that they did in mm. Clubland. Mm. That, that's my and, view. And that, that's the same for Origin. I mean, you you know, a couple of weeks out from an Origin, you've got a guy that gets a grade one or a misdemeanor, and all of a sudden he's sitting on, he's missing an Origin game. It yep. makes absolutely no sense. So I believe that whatever... Um, whatever competition you're sanctioned in, that's where you should actually Absolutely, be serving yeah, that suspension yeah. and they shouldn't be connected in any way. Okay. All right. Believe it or not. So do we believe it or not? I don't believe it. I do right. believe we it. We just need to get on the commission. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Suncorp Stadium, the Brisbane Broncos and the New Zealand Warriors. Dave Riccio, uh, yeah. you've got some explaining to do. I understand that now the, uh, the Tigers, you're at Totty's yeah. restaurant with a group of journalists yeah, like-minded folk. Yeah, it was. Yeah. What have I got explaining to do? I'm not allowed to eat lunch. Oh, well, didn't you? You reappointed Lee Hadge Bentellus, which is fine. I oh, did. I okay, right. Yeah, <laughs> he's got another three years. The review's still going. What was the lunch in? in oh, Adolf? look at gen- end of season catch up uh, with the West Tigers, uh, Justin Pascoe and Lee Hadge Bentellus, and and uh, just after the breads um, uh, and before the um, <laughs> olives. Well, Before the olives, <laughs> yes. Um, Lee the burrata. <laughs> yeah, the burrata. Oh, exactly. Burrata. Oh, it's uh, Toddy's Roselle. Yeah. So, uh, so- is this the annual lunch where uh, the West Tigers hierarchy get in the media and they throw it at the they open up the floor and you tell them your suggestions and then they go follow through with it? That's yeah, that one? That's, that's the lunch, yes. Oh, so yeah. what did you toss up for them? Yeah. Uh, we've suggested a like? new new halfback potentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, and through through the middle of the lunch it was uh, Lee made it clear that he had been reappointed for another three years. As I'm chairman even... of the West Tigers. So this is at the same time as an external review is about to happen or is underway? It's, I, I believe it's underway. Um, yeah, a, an independent review is currently being done on the operations of the footy club. Um, and, yeah, oh, look, i got to admit I was surprised that that Lee uh, had, a, had been given another three years. But, it, you know, it's a board that is run by a separate ownership. Yep. West, West Ashfield have the overarching... Mm-hmm. Say and uh, have believe it. It's it's a good move to reappoint Lee for another three years, um, but I believe it should have been not not made clear until after this review was taken. I, I think Dave that the the major corporate partner of the Tigers there said that if Lee wasn't reappointed, they might be a little bit upset, <laughs> might withhold some funding. Yeah, well, yeah, I understand what you're saying there, Gertz. <laughs> yes. No, but that, that's 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 alleged, of course. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I think it's a great move. I think it brings stability and um, and entertainment for the game. And yeah, it's just important that he's always a part of our game, and I think he's the man that can turn the club around. Uh, he has been a man who's been passionate for that club for a very long time and passionate for the game. Lee Hatch can tell us. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Just you've got 10 seconds. Who wins tonight, uh, Benny? Broncos. Oh! Broncos. Ryan yeah, I'll just say Broncos just. Broncos just for you. Jeez, Benny's backflipped on the Warriors. <laughs> um, Broncos by one. Triple M Footy lives on listener. Thanks to McDonald's and Ream Hot Water.